it's truly what dreams are made of. This is what dreams are made of. Mm-hmm. Hey now, hey now. Why not take a crazy <laughs> chance? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you um, understood this up. I'm glad you understood. This up. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is a podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to, and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Today, we premiere the eighth season of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, Throwbacks. This season, Alex and I will be taking a trip down memory lane and discussing some of the most iconic TV shows of the last century, as well as the beginning of this one. We're going to be discussing some of the TV shows that millennials grew up on with adult lenses and discuss some of their major themes, as well as how well or how badly they've aged. We're debuting our eighth season with none other than Disney's most successful tween drama, Lizzie McGuire. This series' title character is a 12-year-old girl trying to navigate seventh grade, parents, boys, and mean girls as best as she can while staying true to herself. So how did Lizzie McGuire manage to become a household name and even secure a deal for what would be one of Disney's most successful TV-to-film live-action adaptations in only two seasons? We'll stay tuned. All right, everyone. So here's some information about Lizzie McGuire. It's classified as a comedy. It was created by Terry Minsky, and it aired from January 12th um, 2001 until February 14th, 2004 on the Disney Channel for two seasons and a total of 65 episodes. The real question is, how did y'all manage to stretch out two seasons over three years? But okay. <laughs> um, that part. The series stars Hilary Duff as Elizabeth McGuire, a.k.a. Lizzie. Lelaine as Miranda Sanchez, Lizzie's bestie. Adam Lamberg as David Gordon, a.k.a. Gordo, Lizzie's other bestie. Jake Thomas as Matthew McGuire, a.k.a. Matt, Lizzie's little brother. Haley Todd as Joanne McGuire, a.k.a. Joe, Lizzie's mom. Robert Carradine as Samuel McGuire, a.k.a. Sam, Lizzie and Matt's dad. Um, Ashley Brillow as Catherine Sanders, aka Kate, Lizzie and um, Lizzie, excuse me, Lizzie's arch nemesis turned friend at school. Uh, Clayton Snyder as Ethan Kraft, Lizzie and Kate's crush. Uh, Kyle Downs as Larence Tudgman II, aka Larry. He is a classmate of Lizzie and Miranda's who has a crush on first Lizzie and then Miranda. Davida Williams as Claire Miller's, um, Kate's best, best friend. Um, Christian Copeland as Lanny Onassis, Matthew's bestie, AKA Matt's best friend. Um, Carly Schroeder as Melina Bianco, Matt's other best friend. And RV Lowe Jr. as Digby Sellers, AKA Mr. Dig. Uh, a substitute teacher who's Lizzie's favorite teacher. So these are all the people that we're going to work with for seasons one and two. Um, Lizzie McGuire show didn't have a huge budget and it didn't have a huge ensemble cast either, but it did something really brilliant with its core cast that allowed them to stretch two seasons out for 65 episodes and three years. (laughs) So 
y'all could really could have broken this up. But the whole premise of the show is that we follow Lizzie in seventh grade and eighth grade, and the show ends upon graduation, right? So that's where we're at. We meet Lizzie when she's 12 years old. It's the seventh grade. Um, the first season is 31 episodes long. Let's jump into it. Lizzie McGuire, iconic, iconic show. It was really great wa- watching this show. So one of the things that I think um, just upon the rewatch that really struck me is like the the undeniable star power of Hillary Duff. Right, right. Hillary Hillary Duff absolutely has that X factor. She is a pretty enough girl. She seems like a nice enough person and she's a decent actress. I won't say like above and beyond she's like the most groundbreaking actress, but she does have something very very magnetic that makes you want to watch her whenever she's on screen. Yeah, like I I mean I just just rewatching Lizzie McGuire and then I ended up of course watching the Lizzie McGuire movie. In the rewatch, I was just like, she, I mean, like, you have to, <laughs> you have to, <laughs> I, you just like, she couldn't be denied. Like I totally like looking at it now. I'm like, yeah, like she, all of that sort of push that Disney had put behind her. Cause I, I remember at the time, like Disney really did had put like a lot, a lot behind her and, and thinking about Hillary Duff, Nickelodeon would, would replicate would try to replicate the Hillary Duff formula, but they were never as quite as successful as Disney at it. Um, mm-hmm. But Hillary Duff was one of the first people where Disney was like, okay, you're, we're going to give you the TV show. We're going to give you the movie. And then we're going to like also sign you to Hollywood records, which was Disney, which is Disney's record label. Um, and we're going to, we're going to give you like an album. We're going to make you put out records and all three of these things are going to come together to like make, make you, but then also make us crazy bank. And it worked like gangbusters. Like she's one of the first right. people that Disney had this idea to be like, what if music was like also like a marketing tool and like, let's incorporate that to, to really do it. Right. Now, Disney did launch many, many, many careers prior to this, but that's exactly what they did, right? Like, people who started on Disney shows or in the Mickey Mouse Club went on to have very successful careers outside of Disney, whereas Hillary Duff, the Hillary Duff was catapulted to success while still very much attached to Disney, right? Right, right. D- obviously, you have that holy trend, that Disney holy trinity with, yeah, with Britney, Christina, and Justin all being part of the Mickey Mouse Club, but like, Brittany and Justin in in sync were at like Jive Records, which was like a separate label, and then Christina at um, RCA, which was like separate. Whereas Hillary's rise is very much like within the Disney like ecosystem and atmosphere for a long time. This show is really adorable, and I think I think that she lends just the perfect amount of confidence but also awkwardness and vulnerability to lizzie the the thing the hallmark of the lizzie mcguire character is that she's someone who's constantly dealing with emotional social growing pains of transitioning from a child to a teenager right right and hillary duff expresses that in a really really great way she does like dumb kid dumb tween things but she's always trying to grow and always trying to learn and she's always she's someone who and this is something that i definitely think is a byproduct of the hillary person herself seems even when she makes mistakes to be very grounded right and she's i she's always she's always learning she's always growing so the lizzie mcguire show is very much like a it's a it's a situational comedy right um every episode is sort of contained within itself right see i thought it was a sitcom too and they're like it's not a sitcom it's just funny <laughs> it's no just it comedy. is a sitcom it's absolutely so funny. yeah it, it but the, the the makers of the show have always classified it as a comedy and i'm like would I see it as a comedy, like not a sitcom if it was an adult? I don't know. Um, I think maybe the reason they don't classify it as a sitcom is because it's not filmed at like one central set. But I'm like, Moesha wasn't either. And that's a sitcom. Right. 
Moesha is very, I think, filmed in a similar way to 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 Lizzie, where it's like a right. bunch of sets, it's a bunch of different locations, and the locations expand as needed. Um, and it's the same locations all the time. You get the home, you get the school, you school, get the bedroom, the mall, right. and the local hangout. And it, and it has like all the hallmarks that we know of a sitcom and that like none of the epi- there's no like big overarching like plot for the season. Yeah, even like the season openers and the season finales don't really feel um, like something is ending. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like there's no. And I think that's intentional. Right. I, same. I think that's very intentional. And I it's a, and as you pointed out, they stretched it over how many years? Three. Three years for two seasons. Now you know y'all tried it. <laughs> <laughs> they stretched it up for three seasons. Um, so it's like, yeah, like, or they stretched it up for three years. So it's like, yeah, that that feels intentional because you and every episode is self-contained. Like there's a beginning, middle, and end, and it feels like it was probably done for the reason for that reason, so that like Disney could just like re-air it all the time and like you could just catch it on TV. So like when you caught mm-hmm. it, you caught it and like, it didn't matter. So, right. and, and that is very sitcom. Those are pretty much all your staples and hallmarks of a sitcom. So I don't know why they'd be like, it's not a sitcom. Like it is a sitcom. Chill. Right. Right. Now, one of the things I find adorable about this show is that we follow Lizzie mostly, but we kind of get into her parents shit and we kind of get into her brother's shit too, which I thought was fun and a way of kind of tying in this very, we're a family unit vibes. Cause a lot of times we'll have our main character as part of a family, our protagonist part of a family, but we almost represent it, put it in a way that like the family unit revolves around them. Um, which is not, I don't, it's, it's not, it's not very realistic, honestly. Like you're, you're just a kid. The family unit does not revolve around you. The last time I saw a show even attempt to pull in the family like this was in the very, very far throwback. Clarissa explains it all starring a very young uh, Melissa Joan Hart. That was the last show that I really saw do that. Family Matters had started off that way, and then very quickly they got rid of the younger sister, and then it became the Eddie and Laura show, right? Even Moesha, we don't really track what the fuck Miles is doing, and we don't care what um, her parents are doing unless it directly affects Moesha. Right. I mean, the running joke is that, like, Miles is always being sent to his room. (laughs) Whenever he says his, like, little quippy, funny thing, it's like, go to your room, Miles. It's like, okay, but yeah, Miles was super irritating, so I, f- I feel that. <laughs> but, but, like, why is he here if all you do is send the kid to his room all the time? Um, but Lizzie McGuire, as annoying as a Matt character was, um, it brought a lot of levity to the show, and it kind of reminded us that, like, she's not an only child. She's not the only person who matters. She's a part of a family. And, yes, she can... F- feel the need to center herself in her friend circle she's kind of in the middle of that friend circle right um, right of her gordo and miranda but she doesn't get to be the center at home she act her life is impacted by what her parents want and what her brother does right right exactly the series starts with lizzie in seventh grade And she starts this rumor about this girl named kate in a fit of jealousy because kate made the cheerleading squad and lizzie did not This sets the tone for the relationship between Kate and Lizzie for most of the series, where, like, Kate is super bitchy to her. And if you miss this first episode, you'll think that, like, Kate has no reason to behave this way. (laughs) But really, (laughs) Kate's just been holding this grudge since season one, episode one. Right. (laughs) Right. I was actually, I was really struck by that. Like, in the pilot, like, Kate's just sort of this, like, normal girl like she and lizzie don't really have a beef it's just she's popular and lizzie isn't it it just is what it is but she doesn't necessarily have ill will towards her until lizzie does this really horrible thing until yeah lizzie and miranda get together and make spread this horrible rumor about kate stuffing her bra with toilet paper and the cool thing about the situation and the, like I said, the way that it radically changes a relationship where, like, Kate is, like, super mean to Lizzie from here on out is that later on in the series we learn that Kate and Lizzie used to be really good friends. Like, sleep over at each other's houses and come to birthday parties type of friends. And over the years they just grew apart. And one of the good things that the show does is that it shows that friendships can fade. 
friends can become enemies, old friends can become friends again. And it kind of shows the waxing and waning of these relationships. Because although some of my best friends that I'm still friends with now at like 35, I met in middle school, there were people that I loved and I thought we'd be friends forever in middle school who I haven't even thought of in at least a couple decades. When you're a kid, you think everything is going to last forever. And that's simply not always the case. Shout out to Regina if you're listening to this. She and I have been friends since seventh grade. (laughs) (laughs) One of the cool things about Lizzie McGuire, too, is that it shows how friendships can be tested. One of the ways that the, 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 the friendship group between Lizzie, Gordo, and Miranda is tested is the fact that we learn early on that Gordo has a crush on Lizzie. Um, right. He does value her I, friendship. I don't, wouldn't necessarily say Gordo's in the friend zone. Lizzie is completely oblivious to this crush. He doesn't want to tell her. I don't think he necessarily feels deprived. I think the reason he doesn't tell her is because he values her friendship so much. Throughout the series, when when she has crushes on other guys, with the exception of Ethan Kraft, Gordo is fairly supportive. As supportive as you can be. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we should like this crush that um they have on Ethan is so random. Not it's not random because it's for them it's one of the more consistent things, but I think this show is sort of uh it goes the show goes back and forth on I think how it feels about Ethan because Ethan is um shown to sometimes to be like very like interesting and and sensitive and then sometimes he's like really dumb and like their crush is always like really ridiculous they never neither party ever really does anything about it until like um until they do for like an episode you know right 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 now the ethan craft character is actually one of my favorite characters on the show because i love a king with layers let him be stupid and sensitive (laughs) um let him let him be beautiful and oblivious so there was an episode i think this was an also also in season two where ethan and like and lizzie gave it a a shot for a little while and then he was like no i actually really just like you as a friend and i respect that like a lot of guys would just like string you along until they find the person they want to be with (laughs) (laughs) it was like well there's a pretty girl that likes me i don't like her but she's good enough for right now and then he's just like nah we're good fam ethan was always very sincere and his hair was like obscenely shiny these are great qualities to have (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i think there's even an, an episode where in that first season where miranda just like finally works up the courage to to ask Ethan um, out and her and Lizzie sort of getting a beef about it or like, or they're, they're assigned either. She asks him out or they're assigned as like partners, like lab partners or something for like a school project. And Miranda, you know, spits her game at him and, and Lizzie is not feeling that <laughs> in the slightest. Yes. Yeah. It was a lab partnership situation. And, like, the thing about about Ethan is that, like, Ethan is as oblivious to all these girls liking him as Lizzie is about Gordo liking her. He's not that, like, full-of-himself cocky guy who's like, oh, yeah, all these girls want me. Everybody's on my jock. Like, he really doesn't see it because he needs to be told things explicitly. Like, subtlety doesn't work for Ethan Kraft. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. What are some of your favorite or standout episodes that you can think about in season one? Okay. um, I'm probably going to start in like reverse order because again, these seasons are long as fuck you guys. (laughs) I want to say episode, episode 31, actually Gordo's bar mitzvah is a great episode. Adam Lamberg himself is Jewish. So it makes sense in that context, but this is actually like kind of revolutionary if you take Disney as a brand into context, because they go hard and fast to avoid any discussion of culture and religion. So there's this episode, and I think there's another episode in season two where Miranda celebrates Day of the Dead that I thought were really, really outside of the, the box for Disney. Episode 25, when they join the Factalon to win a trip to to try to win a trip to Miami, I thought was really good. Episode 23, last year's model was great. Episode 16, Obsession. 
episode 12 between a rock and a bra place where Miranda and Lizzie go shopping for their first bras. Iconic. Iconic. I I love that episode. That's so great. I don't have a shopping for my first bra experience. I didn't have breasts and I woke up one day and I had breasts and I was way past 12 when that happened. (laughs) But but it's nice to see because I I remember these conversations in middle school. Episode 9, Election. Love that one. That's also another really, really good one. Uh, I love uh, episode seven. Here comes Aaron Carter. That's the Christmas episode where... Hold up. Weren't she... Weren't Hillary Duff and Aaron Carter dating at that time and he was cheating on her with Lindsay Lohan? Yes. Jesus. A mess. (laughs) A Disney Channel mess. (laughs) That was like... That was like iconic. Like that drama was iconic iconic like celebrity gossip but it was also epic and it's hardcore nostalgia overload because i was like oh yeah like aaron carter used to be like na 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 come on aaron carter is still on my playlist i'm never getting rid of it oh wow the original og white boy rapper he really was people around to god to come get it to the left to the right come get it Okay, like, don't judge me, but I memorized the entire dance. That's, that's, that's what's up. Episode 18, rated ARG. Um, like, (laughs) ARG. And they, and Lizzie is so hilarious, because, like, she can't, like, lie. She just can't, like, she can't just, like, lie to her parents. Right. There's she's like, oh, we're gonna do the thing. I'm like, Lizzie, just pull it together. And they do all this sort of, like, hullabaloo to get into the R-rated movie when I'm like, all you guys had to do was buy the tickets to the G-rated movie and make sure that it's showing at the same time as the R-rated one and then just go to the R-rated one. Like, what is all this? Yeah. I mean, that was like the last golden era where you could sneak into movies like that because there's no, there isn't, there isn't anyone stopping you once you enter the movie theater <laughs> right you're like on it's over <laughs> there's no assigned seating either ain't no assigned seating either so it's fine it's fine so it's fine it's fine i like 19 gordo and the girl just because we get to see like a kyla pratt young kyla pratt who is iconic one of like one of the iconic uh sitcom black girls and we'll be talking about her later when we talk about one-on-one i love the episode called Gordo and the Dwarves. He becomes like basically like an addict like uh with this like game that's supposed to be like Dungeons and Dragons. And right. That was a good episode. <laughs> it was really, really funny. Let's talk a little bit about these early 2000 fashion fits and how epic they are. Okay, this show's a real time capsule. Lizzie's entire wardrobe is so nostalgic to me. So when the show was released, I was 16. Oh no, I was 15 going on 16. And so I had only left, just recently left middle school behind a little while ago. And these are the fashions that I saw girls wearing all around me. And this show reminds me how freaking tragic we all look. <laughs> colorful, <laughs> colorful, but tragic. <laughs> there, There's definitely some stuff in there that, that's very unfortunate looking. Season one, where are you? Where are you at? I give season one a very solid good. Um, like you said, it is a sitcom. It's like one-off episodes in, you know, different situations and whatnot. But I feel like this show... This show was brave, first of all, because we have kids shows and we have teen shows. Tween shows, is a, it's a very hard feeling to get right. And the show, Liz McGuire really captured the feeling of being a girl in middle school. Right. I agree. Same. I give this first season a, a true blue, no, no exceptions, good. Um, so a solid, solid good. I think... They, like you said, tween shows are hard um, because of that transitional stage. And But they nailed everything, and I think they got everything uh, that really does feel universal about experiencing that age. Like the bra shopping episode, like the sneaking into a rated R movie, like um, wanting to, you know, go to a concert by yourself with your friends. 
all this stuff where you're grown up, but you're not really grown up and, and you're still figuring out yourself and, and it's great. Right. Really, 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 really briefly. Um, before we get into season two, um, I want to say that if season two feels disjointed for you, especially if you've seen the Lizzie McGuire movie, there's a reason for that. The Lizzie McGuire movie, which was released May 2nd of 2003, so before the series itself ended, um, is supposed to be like the canonical conclusion of the series. But the show itself did air um, the last five episodes in the series after the release of the movie. That's why the series itself does not feel like a conclusion. Just to mm. put that out there. The movie is supposed to be like the canonical uh, canonical conclusion to the Lizzie McGuire, you know, middle school experience. School. <laughs> right. So, but let's jump into season two. Cause I think the season season two, this series is a little bit braver and I actually think it gets a lot better. I think they're, they waded into some deeper waters and it paid off. The season opens with Lizzie dealing with her first boyfriend and her first breakup. Right. The, the delivery guy. Oh my, yeah, it's so cool. So this is 34 episodes. Not sure why they gave it even longer season than the first one and why they're staggering this out for God knows how long. But she's dating the guy, Ronnie. They're really booed up. She really likes him. It's a nice, steady little first love. It's not toxic. It's not abusive. It's not obsessive. They're not like madly passionately in love. It's just a nice little first relationship for a girl in eighth grade or was about to be in eighth grade. Um, Lizzie thinks she's in love with him, but I think we all feel that way about our first little boyfriends. Um, but she breaks up with him. Her friends um, console her when she is um, dumped by this guy. Um, and we still get the B-plot. We still get Matt and the shit that's going on with him and his friends. So it still feels like the same show and the same the same characters reacting in the same way. You know, she fell in love with the paper boy. It didn't end well. But now she's going to come into eighth grade a stronger woman. <laughs> right. Um, it's so, yeah, it feels... It feels, it's great. There's something, I really like how they define, and I like how they make this definition between Lizzie and the 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 boyfriend and those feelings versus the sort of Ethan Craft, Craft stuff, the Ethan Craft stuff and how those things are, are very, and how those feelings are, are different and separate um, in their own specific ways. I remember thinking that was a really smart touch. Right. I thought that was really smart as well. Um, we get a little bit more culture in this season two. Episode two is about a Mexican game show that Miranda loves. So again, we're trying to pull more culture into this. Um, we've already established that Miranda is Mexican-American and very proud of that. And they pull that more into season two. Um Episode three, which is one of my favorites, mom's best friend, has her, um, Lizzie and her mom, Joe, becoming really close um, after, um, you know, um, she reads this book in social studies. And um, eventually that disintegrates because at the end of the day, the parent-child relationship is a parent-child relationship. You can't really ever be best friends with your child in healthy ways. I don't care what Gilmore girls told y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, but episodes like that, where you see Lizzie still struggling to have her independence, but have a good relationship with her parents and have a good relationship with her brother and have a good relationship with her friends really, um, encapsulate that, that era of growth that you're in when you're in your tweens. Now, before we talk about a bit more about some more serious stuff that, that I think happens in in season two, let's talk about some let's let's wade into that that stuff. So there is a, a little friend that Matt makes. Um, she's a girl. Her name is Melina. And she's like a whole sociopath. Why? 
Melina, Melina, Melina. So the Melina character is really interesting. Let me go back. And before I say this, because I, I remember this person's face, I'm just going to double check that this is who I think it is before I start in on my little rant. <laughs> um, yeah, Melina's this little friend that he makes. She's introduced, I think, in the back half of season one, and she continues into season two. And Matt's whole thing is is that he sort of is... He's just Lizzie's little brother. In fact, there are episodes where we see that Matt is, like, even bullied in school, even though he Mm -hmm. sort of pulls all these pranks on her. But he's never, like, but he always sort of sticks to normal kid things. And his pranks are just sort of normal and funny and, and goofy. And then it, like, and then once Melina is introduced, like, it becomes, like, he becomes delinquent. And, like, and she is... Um, delinquent and deviant like she's doing these horrible things and not but and like she's hurting people and like the it's supposed to be funny but she's hurting people and then she's like framing it in a way that like is making Matt guilty and then he's into it and I'm like wait a second what like how did this turn where did we go what's happening yeah, it's weird. And for me, because of the age of the characters in particular, it's even more off-putting. Because I've seen this particular dynamic before with much older teens or with adults um, where like the person is being manipulated that way in a romantic relationship by a narcissist or by a sociopath. The way that Melina and Matt's friendship and I use friendship very loosely, is set up is really disturbing because like you said, it does a road at his character. Um, and also Melina is never really held accountable for anything that she does. Never like even by, and we, I don't think we ever meet her parents. So Lizzie's parents are, and even Lizzie's parents never are like, Melina, you can't be here anymore. Like she just continues this sort of very, dark deviant like untoward like manipulation of of matt through throughout the rest of the series because she's in the lizzie mcguire movie as well right um i just think it's funny how y'all invited melina but not um miranda to the goddamn movie but okay um (laughs) (laughs) no that's real shit that's real shit (laughs) um but yeah um i'm not mad yes i am um the point is though that white parents especially on tv are kind of notorious for being like i don't want you hanging out with that person anymore and like you said they never say that about melina and i'm just like where is the parenting (laughs) Right, because if there's one thing that Lizzie, that the Lizzie McGuire movie and the Lizzie McGuire the series are very consistent on throughout the whole for for the entire duration of the series is that Lizzie's parents are very active parents. Joe and Sam don't drop the ball with parenting. Actually, there's an episode in this season actually where her parents their marriage starts to like come under some tension because Joe feels like Sam is leaving her to pick up the slack when it comes to Matt and his increasingly fucked up behavior, right? Right. Um, And so she's just like, no, I'm not going to raise this badass child alone. You got to step up, period. (laughs) But yeah, their marriage is like literally like on the rocks right now, specifically because he dropped the ball in parenting, not anything that he's actually done as a husband, but as a father. So they're very hands-on. They care about their kids. They know who all their kids' friends are. They know who the kids' parents are. They know who all the teachers are. But you accept me that to believe that they think that this little bad influence is okay to have around. It's either that you're, you, you, they don't see how bad Melina is because she's a girl possible or the show really and the writers have an attachment to this delinquent for reasons unknown right and you know it also just i think something that kind of bugs about melina is that it sort of falls into this um archetype that i think can become an archetype that i think is hard to right and hard to execute well because it tends to fall into really sexist and misogynist ideals if if you're not very deft with it and that is um just the the idea of this sort of this f- 
not like a not not it's not a proper femme fatale but this idea of that like it's really women who drive men to be crazy if that makes sense it does it does um i and i also saw like i said misogynist in the point that i feel like if it was if if Matt had a a boy he was friends with who behaved in this way, they would have already like banned this person from the house. Cause I remember his parents going in on him and his friend who never speaks in the first season for much, much less severe infractions. Right. Right. Let's Yeah. Let's talk about Lanny. So Lanny is this very cute little black boy who never speaks, which is really fucked up by the way. Like, why don't y'all love black characters who don't speak, particularly black men who don't speak? <laughs> like, right? Because there's another show that does that too. TVD to this. Yes. Oh God, what is it with you guys? That's weird. That is weird. That's all I'm saying. But Lanny is like a uh, is uh, is another one of Matt's friends, and he's he's also there um, in season two, uh, and he's mo and he's also there in the duration of season one. Um, but Lanny never speaks, like, at all, period. <laughs> he, in fact, that's, like, I guess that's supposed to be the the joke or the gag that Matt talks to Lanny, and then Lanny will just, like, look at him blankly, and, um, and in the blank look there is Matt, like, receives some sort of response, and is like, you're right, like, you're right, Lanny. Let let's go. You know, dig for gold in the backyard, and then they'll like walk off. Um, and it's right. it's weird. It's not. I guess it's funny for like children, but like it's weird. It is very weird. And although I like the idea of telepathic besties, and that's cute, I think the that whole. Um, a character could have been saved if Lanny did speak when he and Matt were alone in private. Right. Cause that, okay. See, cause then that would actually be really funny. Like if he just like, if around Lizzie and his parents, like Lanny just doesn't speak and then like, but they spoke a lot in private. Right. Um, because then you don't have this child who, um, you know, it's basically, you're not saying that Matt has some sort of, sort of superpowers. He has a basis to go on because he act, would actually know Lanny's personality. Cause the way it's set up right now, you have this black boy and okay, you're allowed to have mute characters, but the fact that he's never spoken to anyone and you're basically framing it as Matt McGuire can read his mind magically. It just feels like Matt's always projecting what he wants on Lanny and not really like he knows Lanny. And like Lanny just goes along with whatever Matt wants. Right. Um, and that's that. I mean, and then I, I hope you don't have to explain like why that that's an issue. <laughs> like, Yeah. If you're the literal mouthpiece for the black person, like that's not OK. Like even if Lanny was like, I don't know, Silent Bob and like he spoke but rarely, only when he had something truly profound to say, I could get behind that. Right. And it's interesting, now that you say Silent Bob, I'm sure that was probably, like, an inspiration. Look, thinking on it now, but but like you said, he needed to speak sometimes. So another thing that happens in season two is this, this mall stealing episode. You want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. So friendships are really tested this season. Uh... Two things happen. Kate and Lizzie become closer, and Lizzie and Miranda's friendship get, kind of gets tested. These are on different episodes. So with the, the Lizzie and Miranda situation, she and Miranda go to the mall. Now, Miranda is a character that wears lipstick, not lip gloss, lipstick, which I always thought was super badass, that she's like 12 years old and already has a signature sh- shade. I fuck <laughs> with it so hard. <laughs> I love it so much. They're at the mall. Somebody, the security guard at one of the stores accuses Miranda of stealing, saying that she stole something. And Lizzie's like, well, I wasn't watching the whole time. I'm not sure. And I'm like, sis, that's your best friend. I don't care if she was stealing. If you don't have proof that she did, your response is supposed to be support her and be on her side. Especially since as a white girl, you have literally nothing to lose by offering your support. Right. There is so much going on there racially in that episode. Um, 
And it's weird because the show never, it's like they want to address it, but they can't. And the way, and the way Lizzie handles it is like, oh, so weird and awkward. So he, the security guard asked Miranda to empty her purse, and she does. And they see two tubes of lipstick, one that's been used and one that's new, and it's still in its packaging. And, and he's like, ha-ha, see, I knew you stole. And then she's like, no, I bought this one. It's just in my purse for when I run out of this one, which is almost done. Because, again, she's a badass 12-year-old with a signature shade. Yes. And so she has, like, backups, like, which any real bitch would do, to be honest. I have backup chapsticks in every bag that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Lizzie, who already didn't believe her, let's be very clear, that that nail gets gets put that final nail gets put in the coffin and she becomes convinced that this is proof that Miranda stole and that Miranda lied and um Miranda's innocence is kind of proven but it's a huge strain on the relationship and I don't think like like you said they they want to talk about race but they don't I don't think it's a coincidence that they're both at the makeup counter trying samples and Miranda's the only one who gets accused of shoplifting Absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah, because it it's clear, it's right there, right in in. They the weren't episode. even in separate areas of the store. They were standing right next to each other. So if I see two kids standing right next to each other, and I think even one of them is shoplifting, I'm going to accuse both. Because let's be real, a lot of a lot of kids do that. They will go to places together and shoplift as a group. <laughs> right. Exactly. And. I think what's annoying to me about this episode in particular is that all the episodes there's with Lizzie's storyline, they're always, you know, imparting some sort of lesson. I think the worst part is that like nobody really comes to Miranda's aid, not even Gordo. Lizzie's feeling conflicted about how she doesn't believe Miranda. And, and usually like when the friends are in conflict like whatever the quote unquote right position is, the show will use uh one of the friends to like reinforce like what the right position is. And then like, you know, whatever friend like learns the lesson or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, This is especially present in like uh, the bulimia episode, which we'll talk about in a minute. But in this one, there's no, there's none of that. There's no, like it's, you know, back up your friend, do the right thing. Like, you know, there's like, there's no, there's no like clean, there's no clean resolution. And I, and I guess I'm just wondering like what happened. And I, and I think it is what, what, what I said in that, like, I think maybe the writers set out to like talk about this episode about race and then like Disney totally put the kibosh on it. They're like, absolutely not. Yeah, this very this whole episode felt very two things can be true, both sides are right or I'm I'm straddling the fence type situation. And they make it very clear that Miranda is hurt and has a right to be hurt by the fact that mm-hmm. Lizzie and Gordo don't believe her, but they also make it clear that like since quote Lizzie doesn't have all the information that she's not wrong to not believe her best friend. Right, right. And and Lizzie is smart or cor- also correct for, like, trusting in this authority figure that accused Miranda of stealing. Which is th- which is where it got really ugly. I feel right. like I feel like if it was literally anyone but the fucking mall cop, this would have been an easier pill to swallow for me. But this really feels like every single time black and brown people tell their white friends that the cops harass them and then the white friend hits them with the, well, I wasn't there. He might have, he or she might've had a point. Right. And, and I mean, and that's what Lizzie does. She's like, are you sure? You know, he's a security guard. He said he saw you. I'm like, what, what is all this? She's seriously not only not defending her best friend, but gaslighting the hell out of her. Like, well, maybe, girl, you did steal and you just forgot. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so it's a it's a mess. But um, Lizzie and Kate. Lizzie and Kate's friendship starts to mend this season, actually, when Kate dislocates her shoulder and her position on the cheerleading team um, becomes, like, 
under attack and Claire might get her position. And so Lizzie basically teaches her how to do a one-armed, is it a somersault or a backflip? I forget which. It's like a, like a one-armed cartwheel thing. Okay. Okay. So yeah, she learns how to do a one-armed cartwheel and their friendship almost starts to be repaired. But again, our girl Kate can really hold on to a grudge. She's still mad about that season one shenanigans. Um, So the relationship stays rocky for most of the season, honestly. But we see that Kate has a new level of respect for Lizzie and vice versa. So another uh, episode this season is like the, I guess, to, to mark the show's to speak also more to the show's maturation and, and really thinking about some serious stuff is this episode called Inner Beauty, which is about Miranda like developing an eating disorder. Not to make light of this episode, but I'm going to put out this disclaimer because I feel like the episode makes light of eating disorders. Eating disorders such as bulimia, anorexia, binge eating, whatever it is, definitely don't classify as disorders if they don't last more than one day. I think that's just part of the show's function, though. Nothing ever lasts for more than an episode. Yeah, and I've and seen this before. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna hate all the way on Liz McGuire's writers because DJ was bulimic for exactly one episode of Full House. So I've seen this before. Unfortunate function of the sitcom genre. Yeah, we can't have these these issues that are recurring or or long lasting. But all that aside, bulimia obviously is a very serious eating disorder. Severely restricting your calories to a couple hundred a day is obviously a condition that needs medical intervention. But in this episode, I thought it was interesting that Miranda would be the one given the eating disorder as opposed to Lizzie. Um, because Lizzie was always the one with that sort of like insecurity about her body. And this episode is literally the first and last time where the Miranda character expresses any dissatisfaction with her appearance. Right. No, that's true. But they give this girl, our our girl, an eating disorder. Um, and, and Lizzie and Gordo basically have to do a little intervention. They do. They do like, be like, you can't just not eat Miranda. And Miranda's like, I will do whatever it takes to be a star. She's so extra. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because Gordon was filming a music video, right? Right. And I, thought, I think maybe she thought if his little eighth grade music video project went big, she could blow up. I don't know. Blow I don't up. know what. The, I don't know what the mindset was there, but that's what was going on. Her friends intervened and were there for her. And to and also to the show's credit, I do like that in the episode they talk about when Lizzie and Gordo confront her. She says, "My homework's piling up. I my parents are fighting, and eating is the only thing I have control over." So it's it's and I think and that is true, right? And that's what eating right. disorders are for a lot of people. It's about it's about body it's about body image but it's also more about control and feeling like you have a sense of control. I thought that was a really great um, thing to have in that storyline as well um, for the reasons you stated. So I'm glad that Gordo and Lizzie stepped in. I guess my only real issue with this episode is not with this episode, but with other shows, non-sitcoms, is that they never really talk about eating disorders in the way that these sitcoms have tried to. I will say, like, the the eating, whenever they introduce a character with an eating disorder, they never, they always forget about it. <laughs> they always forget that this person has an eating disorder. Um, boy, me, uh, and even if, and even when they become, I think, shows that start to make their, sh- even when they become shows that start to be more uh, serial and, and together, it's like Boy Meets World. Um, which we'll be talking about soon. Uh, Boy Meets World in the later seasons definitely transitions to a more serial show. When they bring up Topanga's eating disorder, they like totally forget it. Like they never sustain that or like we deal with the ramifications of a person of like, what is, what is that like? Because eating disorders, um, it's not like, it's not like that ever goes away. Like 
when you have an eating disorder, you have it for life and you have to manage it for life. But season two also has like really like up, up, like many, many great upsides. Frankie Muniz is featured on episode 15, Lizzie in the Middle, which is a play obviously on Malcolm in the Middle. But he's on this show promoting his new movie. And um, this episode actually aired before Lizzie and Frankie star together in Agent Cody Banks. Right. And Frankie. I keep calling her Lizzie. I'm sorry, Hilary Duff. I'm so sorry. Sorry, girl. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, she, you're right. They're the Frankie, the Frankie Munez uh, part. The Frankie Munez episode is really cute. Cause like the whole thing is, is like, He's into Lizzie and then, but it's also about the pitfalls of fame. <laughs> it's so cute. And we also see Hilary Duff's sister, Haley Duff. She stars on episode 18, Party Over Here. Kate is throwing a big birthday party and she graciously invites their entire class, including Lizzie, Miranda, and Gordo. But their parents won't let them, Lizzie's parents in particular, um, Lizzie Miranda's parents won't let them go because there won't be any adult chaperones there. But they sneak out and they go anyway. Hashtag worth it. Right. And we find out some... And Haley Duff is playing, like, Kate's older sister, I think. Yeah, uh, her cousin. Her cousin Amy. Her cousin. Her cousin Amy. It's interesting. It's a, it's a really poignant episode. It's another example of the show really trying to expand and, and deepen because in the back half of the episode, we find out that Kate hates the party. She didn't want to throw the party in the first place. None of her real friends are there. And more importantly, Kate's mom is not at this party. Um, and she, Kate really wanted her mom to be there and, and Kate's mom is gone. So we sort of, it's implied that um, Kate's mother is, she's, she's a neglectful parent. And that parental neglect will get you guys. Um, but it's interesting. A lot of shows showcase the mean girl as having a neglectful parent. And even though it's a, an overused trope, it's a very correct one. <laughs> I mean, it hits every time. <laughs> like I never, I can't think of a, I can't think of a time where I've seen this like particular like archetype play out and I wasn't satisfied, honestly. Right. I mean, I've been watching this archetype play out literally since the 80s movie Troop Beverly Hills. It's so satisfying. Um, this gives us this gives the Kate character more depth. And I enjoyed that they did this. Yes, it was in season two, but this season's so long that it doesn't feel too late at all. This was right. early on in season two. Season two does a lot of great things. We get our Day of the Dead episode with Miranda, so a little bit more culture. We get to see Gordo chatting it up, flirting it up. This really adorable little redhead girl. Season two is great. What do you, what do you think about season two? I thought season two was really, really good. Um, like I said, I, I'm still a little bit mad that... Um, Melina got invited to Rome, but Miranda and Claire didn't. Um, But season two, I think it it does a good job of giving these characters real character arcs while still remaining a sitcom. Same. I really like the, I think I like that they wade into some more deeper. I also am giving season two, like a, a very solid good. I like that they dive into deeper topics and they, they really give that stuff a chance that I was suspicious of what was going on with Disney and Lelaine because she was absent from six episodes in season two. She was, her character was completely absent. Um, wow. Right. So I think there was something going on behind the scenes where she might have been in conflict with Disney. This is not something she ever talks about. She did say that um, Disney wanted her to be as white as humanly possible. She did feel that pressure from Disney. Um, She's Filipino, the actress. Mm -hmm. And she did say that she was, uh, like, there was, like, that, there was, like, that struggle between her and Disney Corps. And, And apparently why she's missing in those episodes is that um there it's it's also related to that that issue it's interesting to me that they had a filipino girl and they went above and beyond to um portray her as culturally mexican on the show mm, yeah that was weird um 
And um, I, 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 I think I understand what she means by they wanted her to be as white as possible. I, th- I, I meaning in in behavior and character. I think just visually, like, and in that, like, they probably wanted her to appear white Latin. You know how they, like, if you're Latinx, it's like, that's great. But, like, in name only, right? Like, you need to be as white, like, visually, I think. I don't know. Because I never saw that she looked that white on the show. Was that the struggle? Like, they're like, use whiter foundation or something. Do you remember seeing Lalaine on Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Because she's credited as being on three episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't. I don't. I absolutely don't. She plays a character called Chloe, a.k.a. the first evil on Buffy. And she's there for three episodes. And this is in 2003. So I don't know which seasons covered that year. But yeah, that's what's happening. Um, She was also in the movie Easy A. And I don't remember seeing her in that movie either. I do remember her in Easy A. Okay, okay. Like most Disney kids done dirty, she ended up dealing with um, drugs and drug charges for meth back in 2007. But she's clean Mm. now. But that aside, I will say that season two is still good. Do you have favorite episodes from season two? I love the Kate's birthday party episode. Um, Party over there. Uh, Inner Beauty is good. First Kiss is also great. In Miranda, Lizzie does not trust. 14, uh, just like Lizzie, which is basically single white female, but make it Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> um, let's see. I like a lot of those as well. I, I'm going to give a shout out to the, the season opener, First Kiss. That's episode one. I really love episode 11, Over the Hill. I felt that in middle school, and I still feel that now as an adult. Like, why is everybody so talented but me? Um Lizzie starts feeling like everybody's got a talent except for her. That's a great episode. Freaky Friday episode is really good where her and Matt kind of switch bodies. That's cute, I guess. The graduation episode, Bye Bye Hill Ridge Junior High is a great episode. The the series continues for 10 more episodes after that. Um, And this is supposed to be like the transitionary episodes, like life after middle school, before high school. Yeah, those are all my faves from that season. Uh, Lizzie McGuire movie, awesome movie. Check out the movie. And even if you want to check out the show, the cool thing about this show is you can jump in anytime. Just jump in anywhere. Right, anywhere. Um, you don't even have to watch them in order. Hop around. You, you really don't. You can hop around. Another like interesting, I think, thing before we you know wrap this up. So apparently after the movie, there's supposed to be more Lizzie McGuire, which makes sense because the show is a huge hit, right? There's supposed to be another season, but Disney wouldn't cut that check. So Hillary was like, oh, well, hate to see it, y'all. Yeah, I just got to treat your your talent better. Like they don't just exist to make you money. Like they need careers too. Like this is her job, right? This is what she does best. She's an actress. They they could you could afford it. You can afford to pay these people more. I think the show, as dated as it was, encapsulates a lot of the struggles of being in middle school. And middle school is also you're at that age where you're kind of feel in the middle, not quite a teenager or an adult, not quite a child. And it encapsulates those feelings and those worries, however petty they might be in the grand scheme of things. They feel like the most important things in your life right now. And that's what makes the show iconic. That's what makes it enjoyable to rewatch. It captured the essence of middle school instabilities and insecurities and being in that kind of transitional state. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made Lizzie McGuire good, bad, basic, and memorable. If you'd like to check out the series, Lizzie McGuire is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. Make sure to check out the Lizzie McGuire movie, which is also streaming on Disney+, Plus, because this is what dreams are made of. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. 
If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out our Lizzie McGuire Spotify playlist, which will include the show's limited soundtrack, as well as music from the movie. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week as we keep this season rolling with a discussion on the late 90s sitcom Smart Guy. If you'd like to check it out or relive this series before then, Smart Guy is also streaming on Disney+. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.